Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. I really do care. Do you? That should be the message. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? <coughs> Happy Friday. Oh, man. Friday, June 22nd, 2018. Here we go with another special edition of the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thank you for being part of the program. Thank you for joining us wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours. We are there with you to bring you up to date on all the news of the day with a great lineup of guests today. Before we let you go into the weekend, uh, we got to make sure you know the latest on uh, the First Lady's surprise visit down to the border yesterday. The latest on the House of Representatives, of course, unable to do anything about uh, immigration because most of them don't give a damn and uh, don't want to do anything anyhow. The latest on uh, yeah, these cabinet members of uh, Donald Trump's, they want to be just like their boss. They want to make as much money as they can while they are in office. <coughs> Pardon me. The latest is... Uh, even more, he's been in trouble before, Ryan Zinke, uh, Secretary of the Interior, meeting with uh, big developers inside the Interior Department about a private real estate deal he's trying to put together out in Montana. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp, yes. And uh, big-time advertisers fleeing from Fox News because of some of the comments over uh, the kids at the border. So much to talk about, so much you will want to jump in on, and we invite you to do so by sending us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. All right, get ready. Line up. We'll jump right in, but first. This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Now, this doesn't sound like a huge deal at first, but there is a supply crisis of carbon dioxide, CO2, in the U.K. Doesn't really sound like a huge deal, 
a, a surplus or a, a supply. There's not enough. Su- not, there's enough. not enough. There's yeah. not enough carbon dioxide in the UK. Why would that be a problem, Bill? Because you need carbon dioxide to pump fizzy drinks oh. like beer oh. into glasses. There yeah. is a shortage, and UK Uh-oh. pubs and supermarkets are concerned because they're saying next week we could run out of beer. We oh, could run no. out of beer. And by the way, during the World Cup, no, it, it just can't happen. Yeah, It just right. can't happen. Someone's got to do something. But there is a real problem. They don't have enough CO2 to line the to, to, to produce more beer. Here we are in World Cup season, and the British not drinking beer during the World Cup. An unfathomable thought, and but, yet here we are. What happened to all the pubs? The pubs are out of business. I know, right? Yeah. So they're, they, they are genuinely concerned, and they're not sure what they're going to do. So stay tuned. Maybe they'll figure this out. Uh, moving on, there is, remember we talked uh, not that long ago about how Roseanne's show was canceled. Mm-hmm. Roseanne, after her racist tweets about Valerie Jarrett. Well, yesterday they announced they are going to move forward with the Connors. It is about Roseanne's family. Without Roseanne? Roseanne will not be involved. That was sort of a rumor that they might try and do this (laughs) to keep the show going without Roseanne. They announced yesterday that is, in fact, what they are going to do. John Goodman, Sarah Gilbert, all the usual suspects from the show are going to be uh, uh, at the center of the sitcom. Roseanne Barr will not be a part of this project. Mm, I'm not sure that works, but it's sort of. It, I'll say this, right? Like they sort of backed themselves into a corner because they had sort of made it clear that this was a sitcom about a Trump supporting family. Yeah, yeah. And so if they were to just cancel it all together, they had a lot of right wingers saying, "Oh, how dare you take this off the air?" Which is kind of BS. But they seem to have found a. Uh, a, a, a way out of it. I don't know how they're going to work. I don't know. In. It's sort of like the Archie Bunker show without Archie. Right. Yeah. I don't know. They haven't addressed how they're going to say goodbye to Roseanne. So we'll see. Yeah. The Sopranos. Just kill her off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. It's just a jacket? Get out of here. It's never just a jacket. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? Happy Friday. Here we are on a Friday, Friday, June 22nd, the Bill Press Show with me, Bill Press, and with all of you. All across America, we are there with you to talk about the news of the day. Get caught up to date before we go into the weekend and just put everything, let's hope, on hold uh, for the weekend so we can relax and get away from the madness. But right now, lots to catch up on before we do so. We are coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, our studio right here on Capitol Hill with the news of the day from here in Washington, around the country, and around the globe. A great lineup of guests. Christina Lopez coming in from Media Matters. Alan Pike from Think Progress. And Jen Bendry from HuffPost. Three great reporters here in Washington, D.C., helping us bring you the news of the day. And, of course, we do so coast-to-coast on uh, every available platform online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. 
uh, our podcast throughout the day, not just these early morning uh, broadcast hours. But we tell you about that because there's special stuff on the podcast, including this weekend. Yeah, there's a great interview we did. Uh, there's a new documentary out called Won't You Be My Neighbor about Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we spoke to Mara Judkis from the Washington Post, who grew up around Mr. Rogers. Her oh. dad worked with Mr. Rogers, so she knew Whoa. what he was really like. The real Mr. Rogers. The real Fred Rogers. I mean, a lot of kids grew up with Mr. Rogers. But I mean, <laughs> right. Like she, she actually really, really grew up with him. <laughs> uh, so she talks about like what it was like to to meet him and hang out with him when she was a kid. She was on the show once. Oh. Uh, so that'll be dropping tomorrow, but you can only get it if you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, go there, subscribe to it, or go to our website, BillPressShow.com. That's where we post our podcast as well. Right. And Mr. Rogers, who uh, was very friendly with Coco. I know. Yeah, right? I know. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a Robin st- Williams too. Yeah, got to be friends with Coco. I saw a story yesterday about how Coco used to watch Mister Rogers all the time, and the handlers knew that, and so Mister Rogers came to visit. Yeah, Coco yeah. the gorilla, and Coco <clears throat> mimicked going because you know Mister Rogers would always take his shoes off when he came in the front door. Mm-hmm. Coco mimicked that. Oh Coco no, Coco mimicked taking her shoes off before <laughs> she went to go meet with Mister Rogers. She also signed "I love you." Yeah. To Mr. Rogers. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow. Anyhow, that's a special podcast, though, this weekend. So, yes, coming to you online, coming to you on the radio, on uh, Indiana Talks, statewide in the state of Indiana, and also the great WCPT. Love WCPT out in the Chicago area. Hello, hello, Chicago. Man, I haven't been to Chicago in a couple of months. I miss it. Love Chicago. And we're looking at you on Free Speech TV as well with so much to talk about Yes, indeed. Come on. It is more than just a jacket. It is. So the first lady, you know, she makes a surprise visit to the border because apparently she was upset by this idea that families were going to be separated. She didn't break with her husband over it. Um, She didn't condemn the practice like four former first ladies did. Uh, So she decided she wanted to go down and see for herself. Uh, and in doing so, she puts on this jacket. Now, look, let's go back. Let's back up here. The First Lady is a fashion statement. First of all, that's who she was, a fashion, high-end fashion model, uh, and that's who she is. And she does very, she's very good at that. She looks great. She usually is dressed right to the nines, um, beautiful outfits. She, she's got great taste, I think. Most of the time, not all of the time, Uh, but she's a fashion statement, everything she does. So she shows up on her plane to go down to the border to see children ripped from their parents, and her jacket has the wording on the back of it, I don't really care, do you? And the media, I mean, online, viral, went crazy over, what does this mean, what does this mean? And then the White House, her office said, Oh, come on. It doesn't mean anything. Hang it's on, I have just the, a jacket. I have the statement from her spokesperson, Stephanie Grisham. She yeah. put out a statement saying, the writing on Melania's jacket was not intended to send a message. It's a jacket. There was no hidden message. After today's important visit to Texas, I hope the media isn't going to choose to focus on her wardrobe. That's the statement from Melania Trump's office. Yeah. Well, guess what? 
BS. First of all, and, and we'll find out in a little bit. The president totally he contradicted that threw them under and the said, bus. "Oh yes, it wasn't meant to send a message." But her office says, "No, it wasn't meant to." But okay, number one, it was like eighty-five in Washington yesterday. Why the hell do you need a jacket? <laughs> I just want to throw that out there. Two, it's never just a jacket. Look, if I wear uh, if I have a bumper sticker on my car, you can't say, oh, no, it's just a bumper sticker. No. You put it there to send a message. There's no message there. It's just a bumper right. sticker. If I wear a Caps T-shirt or a Nats T-shirt, right, or whatever, I'm sending a message, right? I have a T-shirt that says enemy of the people. I'm sending an yeah. F.U. message to Donald Trump. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> you can't put that on without saying. It's a, so she puts it on. To go down to the border. She doesn't wear it while she's in this child detention center, but she puts it on when she's leaving, and when she gets back to the White House, she's still wearing it. She knew exactly what she was doing. And this is the first lady, by the way, who's had some wardrobe malfunction (laughs) issues before, like when she and her husband went down to see the storm damage uh, in Texas after the big hurricane. And she show, and she walks across the tarmac at Andrews Air Force Base in high, in in Manolo stiletto heels, and everybody's saying, "What really? You're going down to walk through the mud in those high heels?" She took them off before she got down there. Um, this is the lady who showed up with a Emmanuel Pac- first lady with Emmanuel Macron and his wife at the White House with that striking white outfit and that colossal white hat which she wore. All day, as if a one on one upsmanship on um, on the first lady of France. I mean, everything she says. She showed up at the president's State of the Union address in the Hillary Clinton white pantsuit, which was sort of a way of saying, "Okay, now I'm the first lady." No, I mean everything she does, everything she puts on, is done deliberately. It's a statement. And then the other thing that a couple of people pointed out is. That this jacket was made by, so first of all, and that was a message or not, um, her office, as Peter just pointed out, says no. Then the president turned around and said, oh, yes, it was a message, and it was a message for the media, of course. Here's his tweet yesterday at 5.55, which was not long after Melania's office put out a statement saying... And she's back, I think, at the White House by then. Yeah. yeah. Melania's right. office put out a statement saying there is no message. Don't look for this. Right. Don't talk about this. This is not something that we should be discussing. It was there's no message whatsoever. Then Donald Trump says... Yes. I really don't care. Do you? Written on the back of Melania's jacket refers to the fake news media. Melania has learned how dishonest they are, and she truly no longer cares. Right. So, so she totally was sending a message. Totally threw them under the bus. Yeah. Totally threw them under the bus. But to me, it was just another example of how totally tone deaf this whole Trump family is and the whole Trump White House. I mean, first you got the president who institutes this policy of separating kids from their parents and doesn't give a damn. And doesn't realize, first of all, that it's immoral and cruel and inhumane and un-American and brutal and what else, whatever other adjective you want to put on it. But also doesn't realize it's going to look really, really, really bad, which it did. Then you've got Ivanka, who's the champion of motherhood, 
and families in the White House who doesn't say a damn word about the whole practice, just looks the other way. Donald Trump says privately she said something to him. We don't know that's true, but per- certainly publicly she never said anything. And then you got Melania who shows up in this jacket saying, I don't really care. That's a great message when you're going down to see these kids, 2,300 of them separated from their parents. Your message to them is, I don't really care. I don't really care what's happened to you. Do you? Does anybody? Yeah, we do, Melania. We do. You may not. We do. And the whole thing was so phony. It took her down there. They didn't take her, by the way, to the center where they took the reporters uh, last week, at the end of last week, with all the cages and the concrete floors and all the unsanitary conditions. Wonder why. I wonder why, yeah. So they took her to uh, some other facility where, of course, <laughs> the first thing she did, remember when Kirsten Nielsen had her briefing uh, the beginning of this week, Monday or Tuesday, at the White House? She said, now, to the reporters there, now, whatever you do in your stories, you have to be sure to say nice things about the guards because the guards are doing such a great job. Yeah, we remember what a great job the guards were doing uh, when um, we heard that, that audio of the kids crying and the, and the one guard says, oh, we have an orchestra here. All we need is a conductor. Yeah, yeah doing a great job. Yeah, doing a great job. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, in the middle of that, this guard turns and says, and, and if you play the whole 30 seconds of it, you'd hear him say that, uh, gee, we have an orchestra here. All we need is a conductor. Uh, Melania started off the same way yesterday. First thing she does is she thanks the guards. We all know they're having, they're here without their families. And uh, I want to thank you for your hard work, your compassion, and your kindness. For your I kindness. I want to throw up. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you for your kindness. Let's see how kind they are, how well-treated these kids are. The First Lady said she's there to learn. One of the things she wants to know is, and she asks, so how often do they uh, How often do they get to talk to their parents? Those children, how many times they speak with their relatives or families per week, for example? Well, the, the children are allowed to communicate with their family twice, twice a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get a 10-minute phone call. Oh, there you go. That's all they need. I can't twice they put that out there. Twice a week, they were able to speak to their parents. I can't believe they just put that out there. Now, I ask you moms and dads out there. I know when my kids were growing up, I never talked to them more than twice a week. I never let them talk to me more than twice a week. What, what else do you need? Yeah. What else do you need? That's all they need. I mean, <sighs> like, there it is. I can't it's believe the policy they... of the Trump administration. Twice a week for 10 minutes a day. If they can find them, by the way. Yeah. I read several stories yesterday. This woman was in court yesterday, and the judge said, do you have any questions? She said, I have one question. Where's my son? How is he doing? She said, they gave me a number to call. She's called that number countless times. Nobody answers. Uh, Congresswoman Pramila... Jayapal told us the other day the women that she met with up in Seattle who had been flown up there from the border, oh, they had no idea where their kids were. No idea where their kids were and no way to reach them. Uh, and here and here again. So at best, they're saying they get to talk to their parents. Uh, there is just no way, no way to defend 
this policy. Now, okay, just a jacket. Here's something else. This jacket, by the way, is made by an outfit called Zara. Um, I never heard of it before, um, but uh, thanks to uh, Ray Rogers, who uh, clued us in, Peter and me, that we ought to look into Zara. So it's this big Spanish clothing outfit, notorious in the fashion world for a couple of things. Number one, this jacket costs $39, by the way. It's the cheapest... (laughs) It's the cheapest piece of clothing Melania ever put on, and it's the cheapest thing, certainly, that Zara sells. Um, Zara is known, as I said, notorious for a couple of things. Number one, stealing ideas. There are 40, at least 40 artists who have sued Zara because Zara saw some little piece of artwork that they did, and they stole it and put it on one of their jackets or on one of their shirts or, or uh, whatever uh, clothing item. And secondly... Uh, They're notorious because they're known as being among the worst in terms of forcing their employees to work long, long, long hours in very unsafe working conditions for dirt cheap wages. One of the worst among the whole fashion industry. And I've been called out on it and fined on it in several different countries. And this is the product that (coughs) Melania Trump is wearing to the border with the message I don't really care, do you? Uh, but of course, Peter, come on, it's just a jacket. It's just a jacket. Yeah. There's no message there. How how stupid do they think we are? And I know that this is one of those things yeah. that like most people probably don't care about, but damn it, they should. They should. They should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and, and meanwhile, Donald Trump still at the white house, uh, yesterday saying, you know, again, he says, he keeps saying this, we had no choice. We had no choice to do this because if we don't do this, there's just going to be, we're going to be overrun with Mexicans. We have to uh, have a very tough policy. Otherwise you have millions and millions of people pouring into our country. We can't have that. We have no choice. Millions and millions this of people. This is not true. No. This is not true. It is not true. We haven't had millions and millions pour over the border, quote, pour, pour over the border, in the entire history of the United States. Right. Uh, oh, man. i got to tell you. Uh, uh, so I, I think it's worth mainly what happened yesterday since we, uh, since we met yesterday uh, uh, in the Thursday edition of the Bill Press Show is the federal agencies now are falling all over themselves trying to figure out what they're going to do in response to this executive order that Donald Trump signed. Um, I think it's worth taking time again this morning to point out that Donald Trump doesn't deserve any credit for this executive order. And we cannot be lulled into thinking that anything has really changed or certainly not that anything has improved because it's just as bad as it always was, this executive order doesn't change anything. And in some ways, it even makes it worse. So here's what we have to know about it. Donald Trump says, this is it. This is the end of separating families at the border. And so basically, I caved. Congress wouldn't do anything, so I had to do it. So I caved, even though all week long, of course, as we talked yesterday, He'd been lying about the fact that only Congress could fix it. It was Congress's fault. It's the Democrats' fault. There's nothing he could do. Now we know that was all a lie. But this executive order, number one, the 2,300 kids 
already rounded up over that since early May, are still separated from their families, and there is no plan to reunite them. They will still remain in the cages in these detention centers, separated from their parents, sometimes thousands of miles away. These kids have been flown to New York, to Florida, to Washington State, nowhere near their parents, and in at least 40% of the cases, the federal government doesn't even know where the parents are or where the kids are, and impossible to reunite them. So all the people that we've, the kids that we've seen in these conditions, that group of kids, 2,300, I think, and 42 is what it is, all stay the same. And And the second thing is, this policy of zero tolerance remains the policy of the Trump administration. They did not drop the policy. That what that means is that every person who crosses the border illegally whether they have kids or not, will be charged with as a criminal. They'll be treated as a criminal, charged as a criminal, prosecuted as a criminal. The only difference is if Donald Trump, if, if the Trump policy, new policy holds, they will be imprisoned while they're waiting for their trial. And their families will be with them in prison. So as one of our guests told us yesterday, you see what they're doing? This is not progress. They're substituting family separation for family incarceration. Is that really progress? Again, to have these kids locked up in a federal prison for weeks, months, maybe years? That's, that's the impact of his executive order. Uh, and the other thing is even that may not work because the executive order has wiggle room in it, has language in it that says that the uh, Department of Homeland Security, whatever it is, keeps these, will, will keep the families together, quote, where appropriate or, quote, where adequate resources exist. So they can always make an excuse, say, well, in this case, we got to break them up because, you know, uh, for whatever reason, make it up, we have to break up the family in this case. So there's a lot of room for there to get there. So you see what I mean? This thing is all so fuzzy. It doesn't really do anything. And Jeff Sessions is still out there insisting that we never intended to break up these families. He said this on Christian Broadcasting Network yesterday. And the American people don't like the idea that we're separating families. Uh, we never really intended to do that. Mm, oh, no. Never intended to do that. That's a lie. April 6, 2018. Go back and listen to Jeff Sessions when he announced the zero-tolerance policy. He said that's exactly what they intended to do. And why? And he repeated this on Laura Ingram the other night. We did it to send a message to people that you see what we're doing, and if you want this to happen to you and your family, if you don't want this to happen to you and your family, then don't try to cross the border. Jeff Sessions has said over and over again that's exactly why they did it, to send uh, to send that message. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives yesterday, they're going to fix it, right? They got two bills. They got an extreme bill, or they got a really nice, moderate bill, right? Well, uh, the uh, the extreme bill comes up. Fortunately, that was shot down. Here is uh, uh, the um, member who was presiding announcing the vote. On this vote, the yeas are 193 and the nays are 231. The bill is not passed. Okay, so the extreme bill dies, so then they're going to vote on the—by the way, 
the moderate bill, which is still so bad, right, that it doesn't do anything about separating about ending this policy of separation at the border. It doesn't do, and it also gives Donald Trump twenty five billion dollars for the wall. I mean, so this is only a moderate bill when you consider what might seem moderate to Paul Ryan or Kevin McCarthy. Uh, they couldn't get the votes for that, so they postponed it yesterday until today. Uh, then they realized they were going to get the votes by today either. So now they've postponed it, Michael McCall tells us from uh, Texas. Now they've uh, postponed it till next week sometime. We're basically going to put this vote off until uh, next week. And um, this will give us time, I think, to work out our differences. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll have all their differences worked out by next week. Okay. So now get this. Remember how it works. Paul Ryan's in charge. Republicans are in charge. They've been in charge for two years, having done a damn thing. So Paul Ryan realizes. So what they're trying to do is get this bill with just Republicans. They're not asking the Democrats to vote at all. This is this is the old Hastert rule, right, that. They they will not, never schedule a vote until they can, whatever they can do, they can do only with Republican votes. So Paul Ryan, trying to line up enough Republicans for the compromise bill, can't even get enough of his own Republicans to vote for it. So what does Paul Ryan do? Of course, he blames it all on the Democrats. I'm beginning to think that the Democrats who make this alternative argument are less interested in keeping families intact and more interested in having open borders. And the last thing we want to do is have an incentive for illegal immigration and open borders. He's such an idiot. I will be so happy. I will be so happy to watch him leave. Oh, yeah. I know. He's he's on borrowed time already. I will be so happy. But I keep coming back to this. The Democrats are not part of this discussion. They have not been part of drafting this bill. They have not been included in any of the meetings. He has said he doesn't want Democrat. He just wants enough Republican votes to pass it. No, Democrats have not been part of this at all. And when he can't get his own Republicans to support him, then he blames the Democrats, saying all the Democrats want is open for us. It's just so cheap. So, uh, at, at any rate, uh, what do you expect? I thought that... Uh, Congressman Joaquin Castro, uh, he uh, he said it best. He said, you know what? This isn't complicated. Here's what you got to do to fix this. We need to get rid of those cages yeah. and the concrete floors and the subhuman conditions that some of these folks are being kept in mm-hmm. for long periods of time. Uh, that really is something that offends the American spirit. Yeah. I know he's talking about running for president, and I hope he does. Great. That would be wonderful. But I think that there's a new sort of standard for Democrats that are running for president. They should answer the question, will you abolish ICE? Abolish ICE. Get yeah. rid of ICE. Yeah. We don't need them. No. We don't need stormtroopers. No. We don't need any Nazi stormtroopers. And by the way, and that's for, what they are. For all these people that talk about, you know, uh, oh, we're going to tear yeah, apart these I'm, institutions, ICE hasn't been around that long. No. No. At all. No. No. Get uh, rid of them. And we got along well without them, right? We sure did. Yeah. Right, uh, right, and anybody who comes up and says the first thing we have to do is thank the prison guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Remember Absolute. the Holocaust. You don't thank the prison guards. Exactly. Right. Uh, uh, finally, um, Donald Trump. Boy, we know that he does not like Angela Merkel. He does not like Emmanuel Macron anymore. 
He doesn't like Theresa May. He doesn't. He certainly doesn't like Justin Trudeau, but he loves him some Kim Jong-un. And then the other bromance that he has, of course, he loves him some Vladdy Putin as well. And so having had such a great love fest down in Singapore with Kim Jong-un, now Donald Trump told reporters yesterday, I want to go see my buddy Vlad. We're looking at the possibility. Mm-hmm. We are looking at the possibility. And with other leaders throughout the world. But we are looking at that possibility. Yeah, why not? Why not? He can welcome Vladimir Putin. He, he will, he, I'm telling you, within the next year, he will have Putin at the White House. And he will again make the case why Russia has to be no consequences for trying to undermine the election, interfering with the democracy in 2016 and in 2018, no consequences at all, no consequences for invading Ukraine and stealing Crimea, no consequences at all, no consequences for supporting Bashar al-Assad and the use of chemical weapons in Syria, no. Let's invite him to the White House because Donald Trump, what he said about Kim Jong-un. Man, he speaks, and all of his people just sit right up and salute. That's what I want. Isn't that great? And it's the same thing in Russia. <laughs> They're the kind of people that he admires. Yeah. They're the kind of people he wants to be, right? Don't forget Duterte. He said he might invite Duterte to the White House, who is killing Yeah, uh, he, invited, he invited him to the White House, and... Uh, he's already had Erdogan from Turkey there. That's right. right. I forget how, how soon we forget. <laughs> oh, man, I've got to tell you. But Trudeau's right. a bad guy. Yeah. And how about uh, with the uh, First Lady's jacket, the role of the media in this whole immigration crisis? We'll get into that next uh, with Christina Lopez here from the great Media Matters for America. On a Friday, June 22nd, quick break. We'll be right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Hey, it's Friday. It's Friday, June 22nd, the Bill Press Show. What do you say, folks? Great to see you. Thank you for joining us. As we come to you live, uh, wherever you are in this great land of ours, we're there with you, starting out on our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., but joining you all across this nation on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, and around the globe on YouTube as well. Uh, joining on Free Speech TV and out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Uh, we're talking mainly about uh, the still the aftermath of the uh, separation of the families at the border, this cruel and inhumane policy of the Trump administration, his feeble efforts to pretend that he was doing something about it with his executive order, and then the First Lady's visit to the border yesterday, uh, broadcasting the message, I don't really care. I'm just, I guess, she's just going down there to, I don't know, because she had nothing better to do that day. Christina Lopez follows all this from her perch as senior researcher at uh, the great Media Matters for America. Hi, Christina. Nice to see you. Nice to see you again, Bill. Um, yeah, i got to get something off my uh, chest here right now. I'm really kind of, I'm pissed for yet one more reason. I'm pissed off at our president like today. Like we needed one more reason for you to be pissed. Uh, about Donald Trump? Yes, because the first tweet that I saw from him this morning says, this is just about an hour ago, he says, our great judge, Janine Pirro, is out with a new book, uh, Liars, Leakers, and Liberals, The Case Against the Anti-Trump Conspiracy, which is fantastic. Go get it. I mean, number one. Do you think he, he's read it? No, absolutely not. Do you think not. he's read it? No. Absolutely not. Do you not. think he's even, no, crack. He can't read. He, he can't read and doesn't read. Uh, and I'm sure it's a lousy book. And I've been waiting for two months 
for him to plug my <laughs> new book, <laughs> From the Left, A Life in the Crosswire. Come on, Donald! Yeah. Great Man. book. That's all you got to say. Tweet Shameful. it out there. <laughs> Shameful. Uh, don't worry. I'm going to hold my breath. But we have uh, been at it for a while here, and you are sounding off, Peter. Yes, indeed. We got lots of comments uh, at BP Show. We're tweeting at BP Show. Before we get to your comments, I do want to read a tweet, which was pretty Uh-oh. great. Uh, the the um, Who is this? Uh, this is uh, Willem Alexander. All oh. right. Oh, okay. He is the president of the Netherlands. And Donald Trump put out this stuff uh, about the border, and he sent out a tweet, responded to Donald Trump with a photo of a building. And it says, Dear Mr. Trump, you see this beautiful building? It's the International Court of Justice in our residency, The Hague, the Netherlands. It's waiting for you. It might take a while, but it's waiting. No. Yep. Wow. Isn't that wild? The president of the Netherlands? Or the king of the Netherlands, the king, I should say. The yeah, king of the Netherlands? Yeah. Sent that so out. they can't respond to the king, right? No, they sent it directly to Donald Trump yesterday, which was pretty, <laughs> pretty oh, good. Wow. Uh, we also have comments from you on Twitter. Walker Ogden says, speaking of Paul Ryan's blaming the Democrats, uh, uh, where the hell are the Democrats? They should all they should be all over the media screaming about not being able to participate in Good this point. process. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, Mr. John John on Twitter says Melania's jacket was a simple way to say F you to the press and others just saying. I think it was a simple way to say F you to the immigrants and the children and their parents. Yeah. Seems like I don't, that, seems I don't like really that. care. Do you? Uh, my man Romaine in Chicago also saying, Bill, it's not that Benedict, Donald, <laughs> and gang are tone deaf. It's that they really don't care. Uh, yeah. Hard to argue with that. One final comment from Marcia Sherman. What's happening at the border is criminal, and it's not being fixed. Kids are being drugged. Mothers deported without their children and tied to chairs for hours, if not days. Why is there no criminal prosecution uh yeah by the way that's that's one point we did make in the last half hours yesterday there were now i I knew this was going to happen stories about conditions at these facilities christina where um everything from unsanitary conditions to again not being able to contact their parents to even even beatings even and and assault physical assault or sexual assault and on top of that the word that the Pentagon, and this is a lead story in the New York Times this morning, uh, they're preparing four military bases to hold as many as 20,000 children. Um, so this is the uh, compassionate response to Donald Trump's executive order, um, 20,000 of them in, on military bases around the country. And it's, if it's already been hard for media to get access to detention centers to be able to report and, you know, sunshine is usually like the best bleach for transparency um it's going to be even harder if you if you think about it in military in military detainment centers yeah and and that's one of the biggest problems right now that media don't get access and that what we've been able to get has been through incredible reporting done by by some journalists on the ground that have been able to get the sources and and through leaked audio and imagine what we're not seeing that's that's what's really concerning if what we've been able to see has been so gut-wrenching and so tear-inducing imagine just what we're just not seeing and the voice that we're not hearing because they don't speak english and it's 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 more what we're not seeing what's concerning here right i mean the idea 
that when they first allowed the media in, they said, okay, you can come in, but you can't take any photos and you can't take any video. We'll release the photos we want people to see. Propaganda. And uh, Yeah, and the propaganda they released, but showed these kids in cages, right? Kind of floors, and that, that's what they were putting out there as, look what a good job we're doing. On Fox, they would... They will have you know those were no not That's cages. True too. Those were walls, walls made, made with chain link fence, but yes. they were walls. Thank or, you, Steve Ducey. Right? <laughs> confinement pens. Confinement. Good lord. So uh, let's talk about Fox because, in a sense, it seemed to me that so for four days or more, right? Everybody on Fox, Sean Hannity and Tucker and Laura Ingram and certainly Fox and Friends in the morning. Uh, maybe everybody except um, Shep in the afternoon, right? They were saying how, what this was a great policy. It was an important policy to, 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 that it was Congress. Everything the White House was saying, President, there's nothing he could do. It was all the fault of Congress, particularly of the Democrats. Bomb, 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 bomb. And then Donald Trump signed his executive order, which sort of pulled the rug out from under Fox. Leaves them high and dry. Yeah. So how did they? How did they deal with that? This is, the, this is the thing about Fox this week. You have to give it to them that the acrobatics that they had to go through <laughs> to try to convince their audiences that what they were seeing should not be something that they shouldn't feel anything from that. It was not they, – they couldn't anymore argue that this was happening. At first, that's what they were trying to do. But then yeah, when, right. the, when the audio leaked and when the pictures were everywhere, they tried to ignore the audio. They didn't play it. They were – uh, the only network in cable news that virtually ignored it the day it came out. Um, but but still, like, it was hard to deny that the reality, that na- the natural response of any human watching these images was going to be empathy. And so what we're, they were trying to do was to use the images to tell you, well, actually, this this is just the product of a policy that wasn't put in place by Donald Trump. Where yeah. they, he's yeah. just following the rule. This is yeah. the rule of law. Right. They right. were trying right. to yeah. argue with with how inhumane <laughs> this is. They were trying to argue that this was the victim's fault. You know, the 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 victim blaming uh, rhetoric that that is just so. so when Donald Trump turned around and did an entire one eighty. What could they say? Well, now they can spin that as how humane the president is. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. He really cares. It's it. This is this is the thing in that narrative. Since it's completely devoid of reality, it doesn't really matter how you spin it the next day. And and there's not not so much as plot consistency. Every day is a new day at Fox News. Right. Yeah. So uh, it is starting to catch up in a certain sense. I saw this morning that one of the big. Uh, uh, advertisers, um, IAC, which is an an agency that places ad spots for a lot of companies, uh, they're they, that they're pulling two of their biggest companies, Home Advisor and Angie's List, Angie's List, I guess, from the Laura Ingram show, uh, in response to her statement that uh, these detention centers or these camps, tent camps or whatever, were just like. Summer camp, this right? is a thing, or like boarding schools. So, and and this IAC, they were the number two advertiser on the Laura Ingram show. So, are we seeing any other? I think what what signs of buyers are going to start to realize, even like if they haven't, they're late to the game. That opinion, Fox, in and of its own, is bad for business. They're too volatile. 
you don't know what they will say. And at the end of the day, their agenda is to to please the president, to please the administration. That's who they owe themselves to. Not really their audiences, not really the media that, that put ads and keep them on air. And so that's why you see that sort of recklessness and that sort of a disconnection from from empathy, from what's what audiences are feeling. And, and that's how Laura Ingraham can go out and say, well, that those are basically boarding boarding schools. Boarding schools. And, you know, Pete had, had said in the morning said, well, but they have soccer and food. So they, they're great containment pens or or detention centers. And right. it wasn't they were not addressing what what the problem was, which is they, this children, you could you could be in the best hotel, but if you don't have your parents and you're a toddler, that is the most traumatic thing that could ever happen to you. It alters the, the world as you know it. And many medical experts went on other networks. MSNBC mm-hmm. did amazing coverage of this because they were able to show the actual human reality and the the actual real life consequences of this of this awful, cruel enforcement of policy and the trauma of being separated from your parents at such a, an early age is something that, you know, it has consequences later in life. Right. But Fox insists that, uh, OK, these two big advertisers left, but they're still making plenty of money and uh, they're not impacted at all by uh, by these. That's what they will tell you. And they, they were even saying that last year after Sean Hannity lost 17 percent of his advertising, they they wouldn't admit that Sean Hannity is bad for business. <laughs> right. Especially because if you if you tune in, you're watching basically the same tape over and over again. It's the Clinton investigation going on network over there. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen so many different advertisers pull out of Fox News over the years. How is it that they keep going? I mean, they, they are clearly a controversial network. They have hosts that say things that are way out of line and, and, and out of bounds. And yet, like, they keep yeah. getting advertisers that keep coming back. Well, by the way, Bill O'Reilly, remember his Irish? Yeah. Bill o- I mean, it did work for Bill O'Reilly. Right? He lost for- dozens of sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when they had to pull him out of the air. It right. wasn't so right. much that they were concerned about his years of predatory behavior. It was more than, okay, like we're not going to make any money with this show anymore. And that's, that's when they acted. It, it, it come, it kind of shows you where their priorities lie. It wasn't so much the multiple reports of how Bill O'Reilly was just acting as a predator in the works, in the workplace, basically. Um, It was more that they couldn't make money out of his show anymore. One other uh, Trumper, not a Fox personality, but, uh, for a time, was a CNN contributor. Uh, former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski also got in a little bit of hot water this week when um, uh, he was on the um, I forget what channel, but it was on Fox News. Oh, was it? On, it was, that's yeah. it was on Fox News. Yeah, uh, and the person he was on with was talking about talking about the case of a ten-year-old girl with Down syndrome uh, being ripped away from her mother. Uh, and uh, and Corey Lewandowski goes, womp, womp, right? So, and you would think that that would have had consequences. The reason that he's not apologizing, and yet he's actually, like, doubling down on that, is because that did so well with the base. If you see in, in the far right corners of the Internet, 
people were loving that moment and just commenting on on gut-wrenching videos that that were put on by media and showing the realities of these kids they were just commenting womp womp on all of them so it's sort of become a battle cry for trolls he just basically gave trolls an arsenal of of something they could deploy against empathy basically yeah well, um, he uh, may not have lost He didn't have a TV job to lose, but he did lose his representation by his uh, Speaker's Bureau. Leading authorities was representing him on the lecture circuit. Uh, I once was uh, their great outfit. I once worked with leading authorities, uh, and they announced yesterday they were dropping him. They no longer wanted to represent him. So hopefully there's it was some— about time. Uh, uh, but that was the first thing that he said on air. That's inappropriate. Uh, that's Let's remember true. that he's that, that yeah. he is on on camera, literally grabbing a journalist by the arm, literally assaulting a, a person. Right. Uh, so at least there's hopefully some consequences. Right. Yeah. Um, is this? I, I noticed last. Uh, you probably saw this that the other night, whenever it was, a couple of nights ago, when Donald Trump went out to Minnesota. And having a, just a campaign rally, right? I mean, he, he just loves these because he's never stopped campaigning, and that's what he does. And he's – it's – you never see Donald Trump at his – you see Donald Trump at his best, which is still pretty bad, but in a campaign rally. That's where he just, you know, plays with the crowd and says says almost anything. That's where he gets his energy. Yeah. yeah. No, it is. I mean, it's perverse, but that's, that's the truth. So – Fox News was the only one that carried the rally, right, live. And they had the Chiron up. Only Fox is covering this live, right? I Imagine mean, if they had done that during the campaign, too. They, I, I don't know if you remember the shots of empty podiums, like, waiting for the rally to start. And we yeah. were subjected to empty podium shots for months just because they yeah. couldn't get enough of it. and. <laughs> So right. they've they've created this monster. It was about time, I think, that to devote the airtime to things that actually matters of conse- to consequential matters. But it is, I mean, it it is in effect the TV arm of the White House, isn't it? It is a propaganda arm of the West Wing. I mean, totally. Absolutely. The whole network. Yeah, absolutely. Not just one show, the whole network. It has become a, just an extension of the press briefing, but with that going unchallenged. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt Gertz, uh, your colleague, has been in several times and talked about the work that he did trailing and tracking, rather. Um, the feedback what Fox, loop. The feedback loop. The feedback loop. Right. What Donald Trump, what Fox and Friends is talking about and what Donald Trump is tweeting. He's basically live tweeting as if it was an, a, a sporting event, you know, how you you have people live tweeting it and what's going on. He's a live tweeter of, of Fox and Friends. And that's why he gets to plug all the all his books because he sees them advertised on on his favorite show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he watches their shows oh, too. Of course, you know with Janine Janine Pirro and Saturday uh, nights. And, and I think, uh, as we've said, he's he's also um, sort of recruiting, like looking for talent. Right? Who comes from Fox News? John Bolton. Right. They auditioned for him on TV. Exactly. For a while, it was Joe DeGeneva. Then he found out they didn't really like him when he met him in person. Uh, I'm forgetting. I mean, they talked about Janine Pirro as the next attorney general of the United States. Uh, some of the other TV personalities. Imagine here. waking up one day having Supreme Court Justice Pirro just because he really liked her show. 
Oh, please. <laughs> oh, that that's I not even I in my wildest moments have gone there. Oh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad. So um, uh, we, we talked a little bit off, off the air about Melania uh, and her jacket. We talked about this in the last half hour or two. Um, do you buy that uh, there was no intent to send any message with this it's jacket? It's a bait. This is exactly what they want because all the time that we're spending talking about the jacket is time that we're not talking about the children. And the conversation about the children, coverage about the children, was really hurting Trump. It was really, really hurting the administration because it showed their pure intent at the end of the day, which is to criminalize all immigrants. And it it wasn't working. It it was putting actual faces to the cruelty of this of this policy. So every every minute that was spent, you know, covering this issue was something that was very damning for for the image of the administration and and very telling of, of their true intent. So by by throwing bait like this, they are attempting to distract media, to distract media into talking about something else and then be able to say, well, look at media trivializing this issue. This is all they care about, you know, like uh, what a woman wears and, and making it about something that it's not. This was never about, you know, criticizing uh, a, a woman's choices in, in her wardrobe. This was about pointing out how tone deaf it was. But that tone deafness was definitely intentional. It was throwing bait at the press. And I hope they don't buy it. Right. Um, in general, um, how do you think the media has re- acted like the White House press corps, particularly um, with these? I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a more contentious briefing than the one with Kirsten Nielsen. Uh, early in the week, you um, have to you have to give it to them because s- sitting there and being lied to and know that you're being lied to, it you know it ha- it, it elicits a reaction and and the fact that it was it was admirable that they continued to do their job despite knowing that they were being lied to and then turned around and were able to say this is a lie this is not actually true because Nielsen went to say that. There was no policy of separating families when when we know there was. And she didn't acknowledge the existence of of the audio tape, like portraying had, said she had seen children. It. And the so video a journalist went on and played it yeah. during the briefing. And and those are those moments when when media and, and press journalism is doing what it should be doing all the time. It should be holding, you know, speaking truth to power and, and holding them accountable. And it's something that you don't see every day because the press briefing has become an opportunity to spin and to and to lie. And it's not really opening any access to journalists because what they get from that is Israeli newsmaking other than administration lies again. So it, it you're it, it one. I wonder what how useful the press briefing has become nowadays, because it's just an opportunity for spin. Uh, I, I can tell you, I don't think it's very useful at all these days. It's an opportunity for spin is being kind. It's just an opportunity for the administration lies, and it's it's a, a very hostile environment. Uh, exactly. Yeah, but uh, no, I th- I thought I agree with you in terms of um, most people said uh, for, for those first days before Donald Trump again uh, did this big 180. Every time that they would say. Donald Trump blames this all on the Democrats, or Donald Trump says this all on the Democrats. Most immediately, I saw immediately said, 
that's not true, or this is a result of a law that the Democrats passed. That is, not, that's what he says. That's not true, right? I mean, it's just, it's almost like I felt they got to the point where, you know, we're just not going to repeat this guy's lies anymore without knocking them down. Exactly. That so. there has to be a limit, right? Yeah. And I, I think in general coverage, um, cable news was hard to watch for, mm. for most people, I guess. Yeah. Most people with a heart. Um, I, as a Salvadoran immigrant, for me, watching Fox News this week was was just unbearable. It it was definitely challenging in the sense that they were actually asking for audiences not to. Have it's it. almost like an alternative reality. It's another whole universe when you watch Fox News. Are they living in the same world we are? I don't know. Christina Lopez is with Media Matters. MediaMatters dot Thanks, Christina. Is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. No, Melania, I really do care. How about you? (laughs) That's a jacket I want. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Friday, Friday, June 22nd. So good to see you today, and thanks for being part of the program. You are the program, The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill with all the news of the day, most of it centering still around the immigration issue Uh, The inability of Congress to do anything about it. They failed again yesterday. Uh, The unbelievably tone-deaf appearance uh, and visit of the First Lady to the border area yesterday, wearing a jacket with the legend, I don't really care, do you? Uh, And, of course, the repercussions of the President's executive order which really don't improve matters at the border when it comes to separating families and may make it even worse. All of that uh, capturing our attention today, and that's why it's good to have you with us. Uh, We know it's not only important to know what's going on, it's important to have a chance to sound off about it, and we give you that opportunity and invite you to take advantage of that opportunity by sending us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, Alan Pike from Think Progress joins us this first half hour. No, here for the entire hour is a friend of Bill. And then we'll be joined by Jen Bendery from HuffPost. So lots coming up. Hang in there. Get ready to jump right in. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news last night was the NBA draft. Who would go first? How would it play out? Well, we knew the Phoenix Suns had the number one pick. 
Here is how they chose NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. With the first pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns select DeAndre Ayton from Nashville, Bahamas, and the University of Arizona. Not much of a surprise there. People had uh, projected that DeAndre Ayton would go first. Yeah, he is uh-huh. a seven-foot-one, 19-year-old uh monster. He is a monster basketball player. And he played for University of Arizona, and he's going to be playing for the Phoenix Suns, so he doesn't have to travel too far there. Uh, Let's just go down the top five. Uh, Number two was Marvin Bagley, went to the uh, Sacramento Kings. Luka Doncic went to, uh, there was a a trade situation. He had to go to the Magic. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. went to the Grizzlies, and Trey Young went to the Hawks. So, uh, that is the lineup for the NBA draft. You see any good movies recently, Bill? Um, yes, I saw RBG. RBG, yeah, which, which I really enjoyed. Which everyone seems to love. Hasn't made a ton of money. No, at least in comparison well, for documentaries, it has. It, it, it has, but not in comparison to this next story. Disney had put out their numbers of what they made at the movies this year already. Let's not forget, they own Marvel and mm-hmm. Pixar and the Star Wars franchise. Put all that together. How much money have they made so far? We are halfway through the year. Two billion dollars. They have crossed the two billion dollar mark at the domestic box office, thanks in large part to a the Black Panther mm-hmm. and b Avengers: Infinity War. Both of those movies alone have brought in a large chunk of that. But you also had the Incredibles two, which recently yeah, came out yeah. and has brought them a lot of money. Uh, and so. Box office is not a problem for Disney these days. We'll <laughs> no. just put it that way. And for one final story, there is a new study. The University of Michigan says, you want to have more sex? Eat more seafood. That is the that is the word from the University of Michigan. Not they, just oysters, then. Not just oysters. They followed no. 500 couples for more than or for, for a year, asked them to log their seafood consumption and sexual activity in daily journals. Sounds like a really fun way to spend a year. Uh, it turns out those who ate more seafood had more sex, and not only that, they got pregnant more quickly than those who did not eat seafood. So, just so, putting it out there. All the legend about the steakhouses and everything that people have been living with for years? Uh-uh. All not bogus. true. Yeah. Eat more seafood. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. No, it is not just a jacket. No, it's never just a jacket. Come on, Melania. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? It is the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us on a Friday, Friday, June 22nd. I know it's Friday, but you can't go into the weekend yet. We've got another hour to go here with all the news of the day coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. As always, uh, taking a look at um, the latest on the immigration issue, both from here in Washington and down at the border, a House of Representatives uh, unable to get its stuff together yesterday. No surprise, uh, not uh, failing to pass one bill and putting off a vote on that second bill until sometime next week. At any rate, we'll bring you up to date on everything that's going on with the help of our good friends here. And we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Don't forget, sign up for our podcast, special podcast 
this week talking about the new Mr. Rogers documentary with Peter. Uh, yeah, I, I am. I, and I don't mean any disrespect to Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers isn't for me. I tend to judge people more on their vices than their virtues. And it turns out, though, that Mr. Rogers was as as squeaky clean as you would imagine him to be. We talked to Maura Judkis from the Washington Post, who actually grew up with Mr. Rogers. Her dad worked with Mr. Rogers, and so she has a lot of stories about when when she knew him when she was a kid. Yeah. I grew up with Howdy Doody. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> generational gap here. I grew, up with, <laughs> I, grew, I grew up with the garbage pail kids. Yeah, right. So, it's so, right. so slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyhow, the podcast, check it out. Be sure to sign up for it. Avoid uh, joining you also on the great WCPT out in Chicago, the greater Chicago area, and on Free Speech TV. And here in studio, who has challenged us this morning, uh, Alan Pike, reporter for Think Progress. Uh, Alan has been tweeting this morning. He tweeted <laughs> just recently. The challenge is, if I can find it again, uh-oh. Oh, come on. I just had it here. Earlier today, Alan Pike. I, I, I have Alan's yeah, tweet here it? because okay. we tweeted that Alan was going to be on the show. And Alan, yeah. of course, uh, who we know is a big football <laughs> fan. <laughs> Uh, soccer fan tweeted this morning, tune in. I'm going to make Bill talk about the World Cup at least half of my time <laughs> because this bleak world requires us to embrace joy where we find it. Hello, Alan. How are you? Good morning, Bill. I'm great. Yeah. I'm great. How are you? Uh, is that just a jacket or is it's, that just a shirt or is that a shirt with a message? Sadly, just a shirt. I I, I was trying no, to find... No, it's not. It has a message on it's, it. Well, I, I'm, both, I'm a walking, I'm, right, I'm a walking yeah. airline advertisement for okay. uh, for the Qataris, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, anytime you can do that. Is This is an Arsenal jersey, um, my favorite uh, <laughs> club team from London, uh, which doesn't make a lot of sense for the World Cup because Arsenal, not being a country, is not playing in the World Cup. Um, but a number of our players are, including the great Joel Campbell, who's playing right now for Costa Rica against Brazil. I just this wanted, the, this the, literally this is the best I could do. Peter. Can, I was, well, I was scrambling he, for a jersey that made more sense than that, and I came up. Uh, how could so. he be playing for Costa Rica? So you you play your like professional. If you basically it's like it's like the Olympics and the NBA. Like LeBron James plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers and also the United States. Yeah. Um, so he's Costa Rican. Joel, oh, Joel Campbell is a Costa okay. Rican uh, national. I have to point out, I asked Alan okay. yesterday if he could join us on the show, and I asked him to get sit in for the, the second hour, the 8 a.m. Eastern time hour. Which you know, which you both know I love to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, Alan immediately said, man, I'm going to have to miss the Costa Rica-Brazil game. <laughs> so I made a deal with Alan on one of the TVs where we normally have Fox News. I don't think we'll miss anything. We put the we put the soccer game on. So uh, Costa Rica Brazil is on in the studio right now. I know I'm really hurting because I can't watch Fox and Friends. I know right? I know you feel yeah. really terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. You and your buddy Steve. For this, for, let let this be the one month every four years where where you as think of it as an act of like self discipline or, or renewal, spiritual I, renewal. I think you know I, I, you have to you have to deny yeah. yourself your pleasures sometimes, right? To, I, I could, to restore their vibrancy in your life. I so you can take, take a month away from Fox and Friends every four years for the World Cup. I could probably take that once a year, or, yeah. or not every four years, See, or maybe even once so a month. Yeah. So could I. So could I. All right, so why should we care about this year's World Cup? We're not in it. We're not in it, um, except, so what? except for except for how we are. Uh, my Your friend and mine, Travis Waldron, wrote a really great piece making this point for HuffPost uh, a week or so before the Cup, um, <laughs> that the United, States, uh, the United States men's national team failed to qualify for the World Cup. However, the U.S. is in the World Cup. Our team is Mexico. 
uh, a third of the dedicated soccer fans in this country, or if not more, are fans of the Mexican national team. There are, I think, something like 40 million, maybe even 80 million um, sort of diehard Mexico fans who live in the U.S. Really? Um, yeah. This Whoa. is, And this becomes a really fun... Fun in in scare quotes, I guess, if you're playing for the U.S., but whenever the U.S. and Mexico play, which we do obviously all the time as as sort of local rivals, uh, they're one of the teams we compete against in uh, qualifying for things like the World Cup and in uh, uh, the Gold Cup, which is our our confederation, the Central North and uh, Central North American Soccer Federation has its own uh, semi-annual tournament. Uh, So we play Mexico a lot. And as with most sports, you make it fair by let's we'll play at your place once and you'll come to our place for the yeah. other one to, to balance out home field advantage. Except uh, they have to be very careful. The U.S. Soccer Federation has to be very careful about where in the United States they schedule our matches against Mexico. Because it's turned out that uh, in a lot of cities that have large American fan bases, you're going to get more Mexico fans in the door than U.S. fans at what is ostensibly a home game. Um, this happened well, also, in, in L.A. famously once. They've, they've started playing a lot of these games in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> it's a big, big soccer town, um, and and the U.S. has had some famous wins over uh, over Mexico there. But even there, there is a very, very loud and vocal Mexico fan base in the stadium when they're well, playing the U.S. Plus, Americans generally are not don't follow soccer is not as big soccer fans as sure. people from Central America sure. and, and Mexico. Right. right. So. Right. And uh, and I so I if I had a Mexico shirt, I almost wore my my very rude uh, shirt with a picture of Donald Trump on it and some Spanish cuss words on it. But I, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure how anybody would feel about that, uh, which is the closest thing I have to a Mexico national team jersey. We welcome it. By All right. Way. All right. See, I should for have next, it. for next. Time. So are you saying that in this world? Uh, 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 so are where are we in the World Cup now? We're at are, we're getting we... to about the middle of the first stage. It's called the group stage. Yeah. There's eight groups of four teams um, who each play each other sort of round robin style within their right, group, right? So that you can thin the herd by half. The top two okay. teams in each group yeah. advance into a classic uh-huh. sort of bracket yeah. knockout stage, uh, and we are roughly almost exactly halfway through that first group stage. So there will be. Uh, three matches today, um, and I think yeah. three or four each of tomorrow and Sunday. And there have been and some real upsets, two a day. right? I mean, yeah. I haven't paid it just to just occasionally, right, to see the little stories about sure. it. Sure. Um, yeah, there have been Germany, some, some pretty exciting ones. Yeah, Mexico beat Germany uh, last Sunday. It was an extremely exciting match. Um, Germany are the defending world champions. And Croatia um, just Widely beat. believed to be the best team in the yeah. world. And Mexico came out and lanced them like a like yeah. a boil. It was very fun to watch. Croatia just beat... Croatia just beat Argentina. Argentina, um, yeah. Right. And, and beat beat is almost too gentle a word. It was, it was a pantsing. It was a, a humiliation. Uh, they, they beat them 3-zip. Uh, Croatia's quite good, um, but Argentina are a traditional sort of soccer power. Right. Right. They have... The guy who I and most people would say is the best single best player in the world right now, Leo Messi. Um, the problem is that you have to have eleven people on the pitch uh, to field the soccer team, and they have like another four or five guys who are quite good, and then a bunch of other human beings who play soccer. Well, who's a defending champ? <laughs> Germany. 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 Germany won okay. four years ago. Yeah. Um, and everybody right. was sort of expecting that uh, either they, the, the favorites to win it all. Uh, going into the tournament were, and, and remain, um, France, Brazil, Germany, and possibly Spain. Um, Italy's not in it. Sorry, Italians, except I'm not at all sorry. Bye. Uh, 
Italy's not Italy, in it. Italy's not in it, um, which makes them just like us. We're basically yeah, Italy yeah, now. The US, the, US the U.S. soccer yeah. program is basically as good as the Italian soccer program. Write that down. Uh, if you're if you're Italian and angry with me right now, write that down. Uh, the 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 favorites are Germany, France, Brazil, um, Spain. There's yep. a sort of second tier of your your Portugal's. Um, that might be really the whole second tier. Argentina, sort of at that second tier stage. Belgium, um, teams that have a bunch of very very high profile professional players uh, who are on their national sides and who could make some noise, who could upset some teams. Okay, come on, come on, Iceland. Oh yeah, okay. So you've made it. You've made it that far. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah. I had no Iceland, idea Iceland Bill knew so this fun. much about the World Cup. Yeah, what do you, t- talk to me. Talk to me. What, you know more about the World Cup than I. What do you got? Iceland. Iceland is so fun, man. I, I, no, I want to hear more about so, Iceland. I'm so, excited about Iceland. I mean, they're. It, it's like they're, they hardly have enough people in the whole country of Iceland <laughs> to get to fill right. the soccer stadium, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think they're. I and think the, the population of Iceland is like three hundred thousand or less, like yeah. two hundred thirty thousand, yeah. something yeah. like that. Right. And during um, not not this current tournament, which is in Russia, they they the Iceland fans travel well, as as soccer folks like to say. They 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 show up um, kind of wherever their team is playing. Um, it's tougher to get to Russia than it was to get to France for the. Uh, the European uh, championships, the Euros, two years ago. That's sort of staggered to the World Cup, and it's just the European countries that, that can qualify. But it's also a very fun tournament. It's a smaller tournament, but it's a really, yeah. really fun tournament. And and the last Euros, Iceland made a run all the way to, I think, the semis. Uh, I believe they made the semifinals. Uh, and it was a very, very entertaining um, sort of against-all-odds campaign. It's easy with soccer with sports in general but with soccer in particular and national teams in particular it's really easy and sort of too trite often um but it's really easy to project sort of uh, national character onto oh, yeah. a team's performance in a tournament like that but we all do it all the time and it's sort of a it's part of the guilty pleasure of the thing right. um and iceland so there were all these great um video packages that that uh would accompany in the in the pregame shows for for iceland as they made this run your your classic you know, guys with with beards that would that would put Peters to shame on on fishing boats. Um, you know, in getting getting frost in their hair and uh, <laughs> the the yeah. sea spray and my people distant sort of dr- timpani style drums and um, and and also the Iceland fans showed up in huge numbers. There was something like like probably close to a quarter of the country or twenty percent of the country theoretically um, yeah. had had left Iceland to go to. Uh, to France, to France they travel really well. They're a lot of fun, um, yeah. and they're and they're genuinely quite good. They're a they're a really solid defensive team that uh, was able to pull off a draw with Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, Argentina is now sort of on the brink of elimination after losing yesterday and drawing with Iceland. Um, and Iceland could nobody expected Iceland to get out of this group. They now very much could, which is which is going to be exciting. And get to watch. into the and the, get into the knockout stage. The knockout and, stage. And and there, you know, that's your classic. Anything can happen. One, two men enter, one and man leaves, sort right, of a thing. The dentist who's their coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he he is a part time yeah. dentist who like uses the the pulling of other humans' teeth as a sort of like relaxation, <laughs> like yo- yoga breathing for for this guy. I forget his name. It's I guarantee you, it ends with son because uh, they all do. Sure, but, yeah, uh, but okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a part time dentist and a and a part time national soccer team coach. I love right. it. Okay. Living the dream. Final question. So what what is this game we're watching t- right now? That okay. No score. Brazil so, versus Brazil Costa versus Costa Rica. Oh, Brazil Rica. wearing a a, okay. a right. very nice blue kit. Okay. All right, just keep your eye on it for us. All okay. Right. All right. What else is going on? 
Uh, uh, what's up with Sinclair News? Jivin, uh, one of my favorite. Oh yeah, I, I, I was going to say this is yeah. You're 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 familiar. Your audience, I'm sure, is too with with Sinclair. It's, they they currently own I think it's uh, forty television local, local television news stations in forty percent of uh, U.S. households. Basically, the market the market share that they have. They reach forty percent of households now. They're trying to buy up what's you know pick the bones of the Tribune company, right? Get a bunch more stations. Right. They would be at I think seventy percent of the total market for for local TV. Yeah, if they do and, that. and got in trouble recently because they were they were forcing their stations to carry this right. propaganda, basically yeah. pro Trump propaganda. Uh, yeah, and um, who's the yeah? Guy there's saying? a guy named Boris Epstein who yeah, right, was right. a I, I believe. Briefly, like like so many um, Donald Trump campaign staffers, uh, he had a, a somewhat brief relationship with mm-hmm. uh, with the campaign. But but he worked on on Trump's campaign for some months, um, and then moved over to Sinclair. Uh, Sinclair is uh, deeply dedicated, probably as deeply as Fox, if in a less sophisticated way at times, uh, to promoting uh, this president's agenda and to. Uh, indoctrinating the the people those those forty percent of households that they can what's, reach. Well, what's diabolical the way they operate is that the stations are they are local stations. That's right. They're not identified as exactly. Sinclair Network or Sinclair Station. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's my local ABC. It's my so local like right CBS. here is Channel Seven. In, in, oh, we have one. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Okay, no, see, Channel I don't watch 7. enough local news. Right. right. And so you think you're watching Channel 7, it's just your local news, and then suddenly in the middle of it, there's this special right. broadcast or this commentary that this station is forced right. to run. It's not a local person. It's forced to run. It's sent to them by Sinclair, and it comes across as just your local station suddenly having this very pro-Trumpy kind of piece in there. Yeah. And and uh, it's not uh, it is fake news totally right. fake news right yeah and and but, they defend it and they always they, uh, Epstein is always very indignant when people accuse him of doing the thing that he spends his time accusing the rest of us so of doing so you've written but, about what they were up to last week with uh, yeah. with this uh, problem at the border with yeah. kids separated from rip apart from their families it's i i <laughs> one of the stories that i did on this uh, a week or so ago i i posted with a note saying <laughs> I I'm, I'm look. I mind the brutalizing of children and their parents at the border um, much more than I mind the lying. But the lying is also getting pretty ridiculous and annoying. Um, and and the the administration and its allies on the Hill have changed their story countless times at this point about what Trump is doing and why. And Epstein goes on uh, one of these must-run Sinclair segments that everybody's got to put on the air in all these markets, um, and sort of gave us a roadmap of how Boris Epstein, former communications staffer to Donald Trump's campaign, would would sort of suggest that the president wriggle out of this trap. Because um, let's be clear, the executive order that Trump signed the other day was a defeat. That was him admitting uh, and, and backing down, even if he's never going to say that, even if he's never going right. to acknowledge right. that he's retreating from a position. That was him being forced to partially step backward the day donald trump caved right exactly and epstein goes out and 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 this is what i I detailed in that piece yesterday goes out and um basically rewrites the last six weeks of history in this very brief it's i think it's like a two-minute segment and he's polished and he's good at it you know it's a propaganda propaganda is a skill um Mm -hmm. and and he's i think he's quite skilled at it um and so he sits there and in this tone of voice and and demeanor that is 
sort of classic like we're just folks talking and i'm going to give you the straight dope um bypass all that all that noise um and the straight dope according to boris epstein is uh that what donald trump has done is leap into action to stop this horrible thing happening and and you i, I break down the piece there's he he switches he 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 uses the active voice to describe trump issuing an executive order uh to end the thing that donald trump started doing six weeks ago and he uses the passive voice to describe this thing that's been happening. Oh. The the separating of children at the border. Yeah. Uh, right. The separating as, of children from their as parents. As if Donald... You knew... As, right. As though it were a force of nature and Donald Trump was this sort of heroic figure standing up and going, no, this is wrong. We shouldn't do this thing that I chose to start doing <laughs> exactly six weeks ago and had my attorney general go out and brag about. And all of us have spent six weeks saying, well, we have to deter them. It's really the parents' fault. These liberals are just pretending to to have a cry about it because they think it helps them in the polls. Da, 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 da. They've been shifting the goalposts constantly. And Epstein's trying to, I think, map out the best way out of it, which is just lie till you die. Well, yeah. <laughs> which is what they do. But you must admit, I mean, it, it required some very, pretty fancy acrobatics on the part of Sinclair and on the part yes. of Fox News, too, because for four days or five days, they were just repeating everything the White House was saying. Um, we had nothing to do with this. It's because of a bill the Democrats passed, right. and we don't like it, but there's nothing we can do about it. Only Congress can fix it. And so all the that's what the White House is saying, Trump particularly is saying. And the White House, I mean, the Fox and Sinclair and his uh, buddies in, in, in the media are just repeating that, repeating that, repeating that. And then suddenly he does a total 180. Yep. And then there's, uh-oh, what do yes. we say now? Right. What they say is right. Epstein says, and oh, it, this man, he is. Yeah, decisive action figure. Well, that's the thing, right? Like you, you can't uh, – on you, you stick, a, you stick a, a pointy stick in your friend's eye on the playground um, – for you know every every thursday for six weeks um and sometime around the second time you do it you're gonna get called into the principal's office to explain yourself and for the first the second week and the third week and the fourth week of sticking a, a stick in your friend's eye these guys went well i have to i have to don't you see what he's doing to me i have to stick a stick in his eye no i'm gonna keep sticking yes i'm sticking a stick on his eye i'm doing it on purpose so that he'll stop treating me like this and the principal's going well i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna suspend you then i guess uh and then suddenly the sixth week, the principal goes to call you in, and you're like, you must be here to congratulate me for having removed the stick from that poor child's <laughs> eye, that stick that had always been there, that stick that I, I, I got off the bus, and I saw my friend and thought, oh, dear, that must be so painful to have a stick in your eye. Let me take that out for you. Where's Do I get a medal? Do I get a, Maybe do I get extra recess or like an, a second fruit cup at lunch today? Uh, that's, that's, that's the logic with which... Trump is willing to approach these things, and that only makes it more important for all of us in the press uh, to be as clear as we can possibly be about um, well, both facts and the moral terms of the stories that we cover. Because right. because the, they're obviously counting on, through th- through people like Boris Epstein and, and folks like Fox News, um, being able to completely bypass, and, and not even, I mean, Bright, we haven't even talked about Breitbart and the, solar, the, the internet bubble um, that lets them circumvent all of this stuff, um, they're very confident that they can reach past the truth, um, reach past um, the, the the sort of clucking of fact checkers and the, the the rest of it, and reach their people and convince their people uh, to to come out and and save their hides in the midterms and to reelect Donald Trump in in three years. Right. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that, and I, we've been over this so many times, that Donald Trump's 
base. It doesn't matter what he does as long as right. he is tough at the border on right. immigration. I mean, there is a real nativist, racist policy that's Absolutely. always been behind the immigration debate, and Donald Trump knows that, plays on it, feeds it, fans it. Absolutely. Did and you that, see? That's the only thing that matters to them. Absolutely. Did you, did you watch when he was um, preparing to, when he was announcing that he would later today, this was on Wednesday afternoon, obviously, before he had actually signed it, when he was sort of yeah. teasing to the press. Right. Again, I'm, on I'm live gonna TV. I'm going to sign something. I'm going to sign something. Right. There was a moment in there, and I, I forget who, somebody I think at the Post or, uh, or maybe the Times noticed this and wrote a, a really smart piece about it, I think. Um, there was a moment in there where he was <coughs> unusually honest about his own sort of approach to these things in, in a Trumpian, messy, mm-hmm. veiled, confusing way. But he said, it's tough because if you're, if you're weak, oh. like, like some people want you to be, yeah. then the country gets overrun and millions of people come in. Um, and if you're strong, if you're really strong, uh, then y- you have no heart. Uh, so it's a tough, it's a tough dilemma. Um, and he's not, he's he's not saying the dilemma of children and families fleeing endemic violence in uh, in Honduras and El Salvador is a tough problem. He's saying it's tough for me to figure out how to benefit from this situation, even though it's driven my whole campaign. Uh, and he says maybe I'd rather seem strong. And it was the closest he's come to admitting, look, I don't actually care about the substance of anything. I just want everybody to think, that's our big tough boy. That's America's, <laughs> that's America's big strong boy. And well, I wait, sure am glad he's in the White House. Wait, he, he says that all the time, right? I mean, his yeah. whole thing about we have to be strong. We have to be strong. We have to, right? And you're right. And if he looked like he was keeping families together, that would make him look yeah. weak. So, yeah. Uh, Peter, just yesterday, that very first clip that we had this morning about the, this um, strong, that's that's his word. On the border, on the border, you have to be strong, strong on the border. We have to be very, very strong on the border. <laughs> if we don't do it, you will be inundated with people. Inundated. Uh, and he goes on to say again, I don't have, there's no no choice, no choice at all. You have to uh, have a very tough policy, otherwise you have very millions tough. and millions of people pouring into our country. We can't have that. We have no choice. Yeah. So, again, we have to be tough. Yeah. We have to be strong. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and and Sessions likes to talk about it this way, too, that uh, yeah. that there's an insoluble problem. That, that if we – they've they've also – one of the other talking points um, that, that they've veered over these past weeks that's, I think, starting to come to the fore for Sessions especially – is uh, starting to yell about um, anybody who criticizes me just wants to open borders. Oh, and, yeah. And right. look, some of us do. Uh, but what people are actually arguing for is a humane, intelligent, rational approach to the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of people living in impossible situations who, as up, up until uh, about a month ago, less than a month ago, up until about two weeks ago, when Jeff Sessions changed official uh, immigration court precedent governing asylum seeking, the the system that we've had in place for years, the, the deliberative uh, immigration judiciary, which is, they work for they work for the attorney general. They are not, you know, judges in the traditional sense, but they have before now been allowed to make these kinds of decisions. Uh, they arrived at 
uh, a policy that allowed that, that treated people who had a credible claim involving domestic violence or gang violence in a country where we know that the police and the state basically don't take those crimes seriously to uh, apply for asylum, to be treated like uh, a like members of a political group or, or, or LGBT folks who are being persecuted. Right. Um, and, and Sessions has reversed that and said, and, and instead of acknowledging that that's what he's doing, he likes to say, well, what well, do you want? You want me to let all 150 million people who want to come here in? Then we don't have a country anymore. It's like, well, okay. No, they always go there. The, uh, what, the if, what if we had a, a rational conversation about this? I guess we tried that for eight years, and that led to zero comprehensive in- immigration reform bills passing through Mitch McConnell's desk. But what are you uh, going to do? All right. I know you had your eye on the screen. Any score yet in this game? No. Or, oh, no. Okay. No goals. This okay. is I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't sound so resigned. This is actually one of the great things about soccer. About, yeah. I, I, uh, Low scores? No scores? The, the, the scoring is more exciting for how rare it is, and you come to appreciate how close to scoring or how much somebody should have scored or how excellently uh, defended uh, a good chance was. The other thing, the other thing about this Brazil match, yes. Uh, again, it's dangerous to project too much politics onto, onto sports, but it's also a reality of how nationalism works, that, that national soccer teams, it's the biggest sport in the world. In every other country, it's the biggest sport. These team, the, the way these teams perform in these big tournaments matters a ton to, to morale and, to, and can affect the politics of a country. Um, Brazil's political situation is frightening. This is not a thing I'm expert in, and I and I don't want to get out over my skis about it. But what's going on in Brazil is very similar to what's been going on in the U.S. over the last political cycles, uh, where they are almost certainly about to elect in their next elections uh, their, 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 their very own Donald Trump, um, a guy whose last name is Bolsonaro and whose first name I won't try oh, to pronounce because okay. I would screw it up, but it's spelled J-A-I-R. Uh, he's uh, tapped into... A a similar, it's shaped by different historical factors and forces, but a similar sort of um, impatient, angry, indignant, um, put the adults back in charge. I'm tired of all this trying to help people. We've got to wrap up here, take a break. So anyhow, so your point is... Brazil could use one last nice thing before it uh, slides further in our direction. uh, All right. I, I want to congratulate you. You have uh, achieved your goal <laughs> of having us spend more than half of your time so I far. It. I called my shot. Talking about the World Cup. <laughs> and when we come in, we'll see what Jen Bendry from HuffPost has to say about the World Cup. Or maybe about uh, the United States Congress and immigration and other issues. We'll be right back. Quick break. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. And from our studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., it is the Bill Press Show on a Friday, Friday, June 22nd, coming to you live from our nation's capital, our studio on Capitol Hill, brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yeah, International Association, but you know them as the uh, men and women down the street in the fire, local firehouse, uh, protecting American families every day. We count on them. They never let us down. Under the leadership of President Harold Schaefberger, check out their website at iaff.org. Uh, and welcome to the World Cup. We're watching here as we speak with uh, Alan Pike, um, head coach from uh, from Think Progress. Uh, still zero zero, by the way. It's still zero zero for those for those listening and not watching. Brazil still zero, and zero. Costa Rica. Brazil and Costa Rica. Uh, joining us, another sports fan uh, <laughs> from HuffPost, Jen Bendry. Hello, this Jen. Hi. You, now, uh, Alan's just a spectator. You come from this week 
one of the stars of the big congressional baseball game. It's the women members of Congress versus the bad news babes from the media, right? Yes, the congressional uh, women's softball game. Right. We, we annual, had our annual, annual game this week. big event, right? We had our annual game this week. Um, the and? press team won five to nothing. Bad news babes won? That's right. Or five to nothing. Five to nothing. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've flip-flopped over the years with winners, but we this is our third year in a row winning. Is it really? Yeah. Third year in a row? Yes. So I, I, I'm a little nervous about next year because there's a lot of women running for Congress oh, right now. Oh, yeah. And yeah. some of them are military. Uh. <laughs> so <laughs> one thing that you don't hear a lot about is that when, when another wave of, of people win their seats in the House or the Senate— there's a there's a secret um, recruitment effort underway almost as soon as they get to Congress to see who can play softball <laughs> among all the women. Yeah. Oh. And so they try to recruit the toughest, most athletic women to come be on the Congressional Women's Softball team. So this year is a pretty um, oh. unnerving year because of the crop of women who it looks like are going to come in. So are you suggesting uh, that people watching or listening <laughs> vote against the women who are running? Because <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> no. All I'm saying is it looks like our chances of having a, a, a shutout next year are, are narrowing. Hmm. Also, it's, it's, if the, also if there are any members of the military that are female uh, that aren't going to run for office, get in the media. Maybe by next year, yeah. Jen, yes, you, you'll have a couple them of... to be a reporter yeah. for <laughs> at least a year. <laughs> okay. Uh, did Lynn Sweet play again? She, she did. She did. Okay. She did. Because you she... and Lynn are our two uh, members of this team. We have, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, others. They're the two that... Yeah, Elise Foley is on the team. Who, Elise Foley's uh, also Post. on the team. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, but but Jen and uh, oh, yeah. and Lynn are, Jen are and Lynn sort are of our s- ambassadors here on the show. <laughs> yeah, and I, I got a trophy this year. Whoa, we most can... improved player. Come on, really? <laughs> <laughs> that but has a hidden. That has a mixed I, I know, message. I know. I felt like I felt kind of like, oh, thanks, yeah, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. But I did say the our coach told me later after a couple drinks that. It wasn't actually because I was most improved. He said they just wanted to give me a trophy for something because I had a good game and it was the only trophy they had. So that sort of made it feel, I don't know, I guess a little better. You can what? probably you can probably take that to uh, a, a reputable trophy uh, vendor yes, somewhere in the city yes. and, and just get a little a different plaque on there if you want. It could just, instead of most improved, just most amazing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the most important story of the day. Uh, I don't really care, do you? That's the message on the First Lady's jacket yesterday she wore as she went down to the border to visit a little um, detention center with kids. Uh, The White House says, oh, come on. It was just a jacket. It was not just a jacket. Come on. This is the First Lady of the United States on her way to go visit children who have been taken away from their parents and they're being like sitting around in a detention facility. I mean, and this is her going to see how they're doing. So I don't know. There's, we had a a very robust discussion in our newsroom yesterday about what this means. I'll bet. I mean, on the one hand, is it just a nothing? Like she just is that out of touch. Then she just thinks it's a fun jacket and she just happened to wear it to this really horrible situation. Or is it a message to her husband who she can't stand and she's tired of him is it a message to the press? Is it a message to... The president said, Donald Trump said, it's her message to the media. Yeah, I don't really believe that. And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to expend too much of my energy thinking about Melania Trump's jacket. Right. But it is unusual that she chose that. And my guess is that 
she's just that out of touch. Oh, real? That clueless? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Although I, it's weird I, because I it wasn't cold neat. yesterday. Why was she even no, wearing a jacket? Uh, that, the, that's also weird. That's the first point I made. Yes, it was eighty-five. <clears throat> Why was she wearing a jacket? But I, I think that's letting her off the hook too easily. I mean, first of all, she is a fashion model, right? And she's first lady of the United States. Everything she wears is thought out ahead of time. You know, when she wore those stiletto black heels, that was sort of a, a, a faux pas, right? But she wore it because I guess whatever they look good, Manolo high heels. When she wore that big white hat at, when Emmanuel Macron came, that was sort of a an fu, I think, to the first lady of France. I look better than you do, whatever. She wore, she chose to wear that wear that jacket. But yesterday. what do you think she wore it for? Um, basically to send a message that the media is making too much about these kids. Uh, really? I, I have I have my favorite theory. Yeah, yeah. My favorite theory that I saw yesterday was that this was really a an elaborate psyop. Um, from from the, the the of course super united Trump family uh, to uh, cause liberals on Twitter to get mad about the jacket so that then the White House could go oh come on really you're mad about a jacket and suddenly we're talking about a jacket instead of which is like this is this has become one of the most annoying things about the internet and and it's a place not to spend too much time which I'm trying to get better at but. Now, the second somebody gets mad about something, there's already a backlash to that, and then there's a backlash to that, and then you've come, sort of already completely lost track of, of, of whatever you were intending to talk about. Because there were a bunch of interesting points to be made about you, this choice of a jacket. But you realize that, if that is correct, that we are suckers to their plan. We are sitting here having no, a course. segment on of a jacket. Yeah. And there, there, and I mean, there's, there's something to be said about what Trump and his followers realize is that you can go out and, quote-unquote, trigger the libs— Pretty easily. Pretty easily. And, like, look, the, the, the jacket was a dumb choice, full stop. But also, they I think there's part of it that they that she wore that jacket purely to see if liberals would freak out about it. Let's see what the reaction is. Yeah. Yeah, right. All I know is whatever well, why the motivation. Why does she do that? Why is she, she doesn't seem interested in provoking, you know, controversy. She's trying to hide. Her husband does. But she doesn't. So what? I think I think her husband. She hates her husband. Why would she do anything to help him? (laughs) Fair, but I also think that if her husband insisted that she wear this jacket, she would probably wear that. I just don't. Here's what I don't buy. What I don't buy is that it was an innocent. She just happened to. He was walking by the closet. Somebody handed her a jacket and she she grabbed it it and didn't even look at it and didn't know what she was doing. It's like I said earlier. I probably put a bumper sticker on my car, right? I can't just say, oh, it's just a bumper sticker. It doesn't mean anything. No, I put that on there because I want people to know where I stand on a certain issue. I was giving him hell about his <laughs> shirt today, right? That has a message on it. It's not a provocative message, but it's a message. That so jacket, why do you think she wore it? You think she wore it to send a message to people to stop making such a big deal about children being taken from their parents at the border? That's, that's why you think she wore the jacket? My best guess. Because but you think she thinks people are making too big of a deal about children being taken said, away from their parents. We're, we're on border. top of this. We're taking care of it. They're not I'm on top trying. of it. But I know they're not. But I, I think she's – look, she may hate her husband. I don't know. But she's still part of the Trump family and part of the Trump propaganda machine. <laughs> you know, she didn't publicly – I have to say, her statement after – they issued a statement after she came oh, back. Yeah. Yeah. And it her statement did not – it sort of adds to what you're saying, honestly. She said something like, this trip – only you know re- reinforces my belief that this problem is about adults, not children, and Congress needs to do something. I'm like, okay, 
Yeah, and you didn't the, write this. You obviously don't understand how we got here, and this is not Congress's problem to fix. It's uh, yeah. her husband's. Uh, yeah, and she went down. The first thing she did was that we have to was to praise the guards. I know, right? And there was that too. Yeah, and uh, then the Peter, Peter, the one about. Um, she, so she asked. I'm here to learn. She said. So I want to know how often do these children get to speak to their parents? Here she is. Those children, how many times they speak with their relatives or families per week, for example? Well, the, the children are allowed to communicate with their family twice a week. Twice a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get a 10-minute phone call. So what's wrong? What's wrong? Why is everybody upset? They get to talk to their parents twice a week, a 10-minute yeah. phone call. And she doesn't say, like, what? Are you kidding me? I have kids. A couple rules. Twice a week. A couple rules of the road for raising children. First of all, no eye contact. Ever. <laughs> ever. No, no touching. No hugging. No touching. No hugging. No. And we only speak for uh, twenty minutes a week. That's it. Ideally, ideally via Skype rather. Than ideally via Skype. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because no, then, because any... then, as long as you don't actually look directly into the lens, you're avoiding the eye contact. No problem eye contact. Automatically. That's right, right. Very sure. important. <laughs> sure. The whole thing is baffling. The jacket is just another piece. I don't understand. I don't understand what... There's so many things I don't understand about this. But right. the bottom line is I think it's important to not lose sight of the real problem, which is there are children sitting in facilities who have been taken from their parents. There's like 2,300 of them now. And there's no plan right. to reunite them with their fa- their families. Right. And, the and we're moving on to talk about jacket. the executive order doesn't fix anything. No, it doesn't. doesn't it's very, very, very weak. It's so just as bad as that's it was. the problem. And I do worry, you know, I'm not... I'm not the news police, but I do worry about all these little things like the jacket right. distracting from the, the, the heart of the Don't problem. Worry. Don't worry. Um, Don't worry. But it, I also think it is worth talking about the jacket a little bit because it's this is the first lady of the United States trying to look compassionate, but at the same time wearing a jacket that is like offensive and that the complete like, opposite of being compassionate. That is like a big F you to the whole thing. As yeah. she's on her way to a facility with children. Taken right. from their parents, right. so I don't I don't understand the thinking behind that. Now another player in this that you've been writing about is uh, Jeff Sessions, who is the one who is one of the architects of this policy with Steve Miller, his former acolyte, who is now Donald Trump's guy, right? And the White not House. the not the Steve Miller band. Steve no, Miller, not the good Steve Miller. <laughs> Steven good Miller. Steven Miller. Steve, Steve, Steve Miller, Miller is good not a joker. A uh, and and a Jeff joker, Sessions, who announced this uh, zero tolerance policy on April sixth of this year. Uh, who yesterday gives an interview to the Christian Broadcast Network saying, this was never our intention. And the American people don't like the idea that we're separating families. Uh, we never really intended to do that. No, that's, you have to call that what it is, right? He's lying. That's a I flat mean, I, out lie. I, I wrote about this. He, I mean, that's a very easy to prove wrong statement. It's easily disprovable because... Right, go back to his statement. Well, so Jeff yeah. Sessions himself answered this week on Fox News was asked if the family separation policy was meant as a deterrent and he said yes the, <laughs> it's yeah. that simple on the Lar Ingram show yes. Said, yes. And, and prior to that uh, John Kelly the White House Chief of Staff twice mm-hmm. first in March so way before this took effect and and then again in May said the whole thinking behind the family separation policy was a de- to, uh, as a means to deter immigrants from trying to cross the border and come to the United States. So he said that publicly twice. There's a, a top Health and Human Services secretary official who also, in the last few weeks, has said, oh, yes, this was meant to deter immigrants. So th- I don't know why there's so many. This administration lies all the time. And, I, and you can say that I say that, you know, 
it's a fact. It's not like a partisan thing. It, it's easily disprovable things that they say are, are lies. But this Im- immigration debate has, even by their standards, has blown the number of lies being told through the roof. It's incredible. And there's so much lying on top of other lying that it becomes this tangled web of lies about what is actually happening when, in fact, something really terrible is happening that they are causing. And that is getting lost in all these lies about why it's happening and who did this and whose fault it is and and how it works. And that it is extremely troubling. It's almost hard to decide which is worse, what is actually happening to these children or watching are the top members of our, the United States government just tell bald-faced lies on television, in interviews, in press events all the time with straight faces. All of them are doing it. And I, I, it's mind-boggling. Well, you know, uh, on that point, uh, Alan, to, to you too, I, never, I, didn't, I, don't, I think the worst example I've seen so far, and there have been a lot of them, was Monday or Tuesday when it was with Kirsten Nielsen from the Toronto. Oh, my God. That was unbelievable. So she said she stood up there and, first of all, with her big smile on her face, right, and and saying and advise and and admonishing everybody. Now, whatever you write about this, be sure to say nice things about the ice guards and the ice agents because they're doing such a great job down there. But she said that this was not their policy. This was a law, a law passed by Democrats. We had, there's nothing the president could do about it. We could not do it by executive order. And George Bush and Barack Obama did the very same thing. This is not new and this is not controversial. I, it was like lie after lie after lie after lie. It was stunning. Yeah. And then, but the best part of all from a hypocrisy standard is when she said, Congress alone can fix this. She said right. that on Monday, and then I think it was by Wednesday, maybe, right. was it yesterday yeah. even? He's no, breaking Wednesday. out the pen. Then yeah. she was, the president was signing his executive order right. to supposedly <laughs> resolve this, and she put out a statement saying, or I, I saw a tweet about her her drafting yeah. an executive order for him to sign and she's to fix there, this. And she's standing signing the executive order that two days ago she had said, right. We could never we, do. Th- yeah. There's no. There's no viable route. There's. There's a, an old saw. Uh, I forget who said this first, but never attribute uh, to malice what can be more easily explained by stupidity. Um, I'm convinced at this point that especially around the, these policies, we're dealing with a, a deep hybrid of malice and stupidity. There, this is a more a, malice a malicious, than stupidity. Well, right, and, it, and it's 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 a, it's a deeply malicious group of people who are taking ideas that have been out there on the right for years and years and years. There's a clip from I think like. 2012 of Michelle Bachman on Bill O'Reilly's show uh, talking about how we should be separating parents from their children at the border to send a deterrent message. And Bill O'Reilly, of all people, was sort of horrified by it. These ideas have been around for a long time. These guys are just too incompetent to pull it off. That's a good point. This idea of one way to solve the problem at the border would be do something as horrendous as this, and that would be, that would teach everybody, don't don't come here because this is what we're going to do. But it was brought up under George W. Bush. Right. And Bush rejected it and said, no, we're not going to go there. Right. It was brought up under Obama. Remember, Obama had a little problem with this at one point when there were a lot of unaccompanied minors coming. And Obama said, no, we're not going to do this. It comes up against Donald Trump. Yeah. And you got the right combination of people. The stars are finally in line. Jeff Sessions, Stephen Miller, Donald Trump, Kirsten John Nielsen. Kelly, Kirsten Nielsen. Boom. They go yeah. for it. The, the yeah. line... So, I had missed that she, to jump back to something you mentioned a second ago, I had missed that in that same presser, she specifically said, 
hey, remember to say nice things about the ICE agents because oh, they're no, doing shit. such a, they're working so hard. It reminds me, I, um, there was a, there was a, a call and, and all this was on background um, and not attributable to the people who are saying it. Um, but there was a call with, with people from DHS and people from uh, DOJ, uh, the bunch of reporters where they spent the first, this was last Friday, a week ago today. They spent the first half hour of the call basically reprimanding the reporters on the call um, for supposed errors in their coverage without any actual ability to disprove any of it, just denials, you know. Um, and at one point in that, one of the examples they they lifted up, um, and Boris Epstein, who we talked about earlier, did, did a little bit of this too, um, it pointed out that somebody on MSNBC had um, analogized what is going on at the U.S.-Mexico border right now to um, some of the things that, that Nazis did, that, that Nazi oh. individual Nazi soldiers uh, were asked to do. Um, and obviously that's a comparison that's, that's offensive and problematic in a lot of ways, but this guy from DHS was specifically sort of scolding the press for enter- even entertaining that analogy. And in the process of trying to refute it, said um, these, these men and women are just doing their jobs. S- seemingly not realizing that that, 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 that that is the exact rationale offered by any functionary of a fascist policy who gets and, blamed for the thing that they're doing, that they're spending their time doing by saying, and, I, listen, yeah. I have to. It's my job. And it was offered by the uh, Nazis at their Nuremberg right. trials. And by the way, Jeff Sessions, back to your guy. I mean, you've been writing about him. He's Jeff, not my guy. No, I know. <laughs> That's why I clarified that. You've been writing about him. Jeff Sessions sort of get, went there on the Lar Ingram show, the same show, when he was talking about the difference between concentration camps. Is that the, well? The Nazis were trying to keep them from leaving the country. That's the difference. There's some problems with that. <laughs> yeah. With that statement. <laughs> yes, there are. Yeah. All right. So now we come around to we don't have to worry about this because Paul Ryan's going to fix it. So they had the big vote yesterday. On, they're going to vote on two bills. The extreme bill and then the moderate bill, which was moderate only in the context of that Republican caucus, right? What happened to the first bill? Well, the first bill crashed and burned, so that's gone. And that was the extreme bill. Right. So now we're on the quote-unquote compromise bill, which, by the way, it's not really a compromise. It's pretty if, extreme, too. <laughs> it's it? also pretty extreme, and it's, there's literally zero Democrats supporting it. And it's a it's some kind of compromise within the ranks of republicans that is not it's not a moderate bill at all and still contain uh, contains a 25 billion for the wall oh yeah 25 billion dollars to build a wall um right it's the four pillars bill right Mm -hmm. it has the the four key things that trump wants right so and they they were supposed to vote on it yesterday and then they had to pull it because they didn't have the votes and then they said they were going to do it today and then they had to pull it again and they said they're doing it next week because they're going to continue having discussions. So the bill doesn't look good. It just doesn't look like it's going to pass. I, it, my gut is that it's going to fail next week. We could vote on it today or next week. It looks like it's going down. Well, Who the, knows? Maybe the, something will change. But this is not the solution anyways. This no, is, right. That's the bigger issue here. Right. This is this, not the solution to families being torn apart at the border. Mm-hmm. This is a Trump move. Trump can undo what he just did. What this is is a bill that is basically... The, the ransom yep. for Trump to agree to stop with his family separations. It's essentially, I will stop doing this terrible policy that everyone hates, that I did, that I'm still doing, in exchange for you giving me money for my border wall and 
you know, strengthening border security and making it a lot harder for uh, for immigrants to get into the country. All right. Now, in in the terms of the lies, right, but that seems to be the thread here of this conversation. After this failure to pass this bill yesterday, Paul Ryan, whom you point out, Democrats have not been part of this process at all. He hasn't asked them to. It's just been total Republican play. Uh, Paul Ryan speaks out about what went wrong. I'm beginning to think that the Democrats who make this alternative argument are less interested in keeping families intact and more interested in having open borders. And the last thing we want to do is have an incentive for illegal immigration and open borders. So there's a problem with the Democrats wanting open borders. So that that was uh, <clears throat> an interesting moment because that is Paul Ryan essentially parroting Donald Trump. Exactly. So we, we are now seeing that once again that Paul Ryan has become uh, a mouthpiece for Donald Trump, which is sort of a separate story, uh, you know, unto itself. What happened to Paul Ryan? He he's just become a, an extension of Donald Trump and is unable to to call him out on anything of substance at this point, which is sad. Yeah. It's a sad, a sad uh, ending to Paul Ryan's tenure in Congress. I like that. You're, you're using Donald Trump's word. Sad. sad. It is sad. <laughs> and I think summing up Paul Ryan as the extension of Donald Trump is exactly, absolutely right That's on. his legacy. That's his epitaph. Yeah. Uh, I think there's still no score uh, in the game here, Alan. There's but just, that's right. there's just that's men right. rolling around on the soccer field. <laughs> that's that's a, sad, listen, that's an important sweaty. part of it. you gotta, you got to loosen no up points. loosen up the hip flexors. All right, guys, we're going into the weekend. Alan Pike, thank you. Thanks from as always, progress. Fun. Jen Benry from HuffPost. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. This is the Bill Press Show.